Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up in this segment, we got Marcus DeGlove Woods. Coach Woods is from the Atlanta area, came to the College of Charleston. Um, basketball scholarship and um, noted one of the godfathers of the big wins at CFC. So in our interviews, we talked about um, the life lessons um, that's applied um, while playing this game for a while, learning from different coaches and different, different players on um, in the life career of basketball and um, how those things have transferred into his business career in in his life and to uh, raising his daughter uh, one of the great things he talked about is so happy about so um without further ado we're gonna get into the interview hope you enjoy it i'll get right into because i know you you know everybody's yeah. busy man but i just want to say you know um i appreciate your time you know what i'm saying coming out and and being a part of the podcast is something that we're doing. We're starting just getting, um, you know, getting, getting athletes and parents and families to get good quality information from st- former student athletes, current student athletes. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because, you know, in our era, we didn't, we know, I don't know you, but I didn't have that pioneer. I didn't have this information to come out. So, sure. you know, um, I think talking to former student athletes, talking to college coaches, agents, you know, giving that whole blueprint on how it was done. So, um, so we get right into it. And again, I appreciate you for. for oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Anything for you. Um, so, yeah, this is a triple threat with Jamel President. Was good news, good vibes all the time, baby. Yep. We have a man, Marcus Woods, in the house. So um, we're going to start getting right into it. Mark, you know, being a Georgia native, um, tell us a little bit about, you know, your parks and rivals. Like, you know, coming up in our era, all we did was, you know, that part coming up, that's where we really learn the grit and understanding on, you know, on how to play that tenacity. Give us the feedback on some names and, 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 and people that you remember that, that you looked up to in, in parks that you played on. Sure. Well, um, first off, thanks for, for having me. Um, you know, here in Atlanta, basketball in the parks growing up was the thing. I had the pleasure, I guess it, when I look back at it, it was a pleasure of always being around older people. So at nine years old, everybody in my neighborhood was 12, 13, 14 years old. So not knowing it then, I found myself just trying to get on the court, just trying to get on the court, right? Never being picked, uh, waiting my turn, maybe an hour to be able to pick a team. And we would go to Brownwood Park and, and uh, Grant Park. And really here in Atlanta, the biggest city was was down uh, downtown, Ralph McGill. I remember watching my dad, 200 people 
at, at the court and I'm outside the fence and knowing that when I get 13, 14, 15 years old, I was going to go to, to Ralph McGill downtown Atlanta and, and play at that park. And, um, you know, as far as rivals, you know, I didn't play organized basketball until like the ninth grade. So coming up, I, I wasn't playing basketball very much outside of uh, the parks. Right. And eventually, once I got to high school, I mean, we became one of the biggest teams in the Southeast and the country. So all the rivalries more so stemmed from high school basketball than it did in, in the park. It, as tough as that was. My rivals were my cousins, my big cousins mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, and the thing is, that's universal where, you know, and that's why I partner up with the rec departments here because that foundation of, of, of getting the kids grounded from the skill development from fourth, fifth, sixth grade is, is, is important. Because you figure a kid plays seventh grade junior varsity and they go right into, you know, some kids playing varsity, but that fourth, fifth, sixth grade is, a, is, is lost because that development wasn't there. Yeah, and, and I see it a lot. I mean, it's really good coaching AAU basketball here you know I get to see a lot of young kids playing basketball now and, and I really think it's a benefit I think the only time it can be a real deterrent is when I think and this is me personally when the only thing you're doing in the third fourth and fifth grade is playing one sport right right and so when you see kids trying to you know determining at nine ten years old what their life is going to be you know, I, I think that's a little difficult, but I think, you know, you should get personalized individual skill development mm -hmm. right now. You know, you can take cones outside, mm -hmm. right, and work on your stuff, not just dribbling the ball, because I used to just dribble a, uh, dribble a, a tennis ball around all the mm -hmm. time. And people would say, man, where are you going with that tennis ball? But right now, it's so much stuff that you can get on YouTube. You can get people like you that actually do training and train uh, train the youth to come either at a gym, come to your house. A lot of stuff you can do where you, you don't even ever have to shoot the basketball. Exactly. You know, you can exactly. work outside and, and work mm -hmm. on a lot of skills uh, without having a basketball goal. So I, I do think that's extremely important and you made a good point that playing multiple sports can help and here's why let's say you swim that helps for cardio let's say you play soccer that helps with your legs let's Correct. play you play baseball helps your hand-eye coordination absolutely you know I mean? so i think you made a good point that when you're in your younger years try to be more diverse in your in your sports selection because that only enhance whatever your whatever your skill set be later on yeah i play i play three sports most of my, you know, coming up. Like, I never play organized, like I said, basketball, but I play organized football and baseball. Really good baseball player, but, you know, in, in, in our area, baseball is, is, is not as prevalent. Football, I mean, again, uh, it just built, built in me a toughness that I think translates even in today in me personally, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly and running. I wasn't huge on running, like, you know, but today I'll get on, I'll run, I'll go outside of my neighborhood, but I just wasn't a big runner back then. Right, and right. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know cardiovascular. I was playing the play. Right. right. And now you see real, the real effects of doing all of the sports, uh, the, the effect that they have on you. Right. So that's, that goes into my next point. 
you know, about you said your high school, you really didn't have that, <clears throat> that, that competitiveness until high school career. Take us back into your high school career when, when, when Marcus Woods started to, started to get on, started to believe that he can play at the next level. Start, give me, pick that picture for me. Take me down to freshman, sophomore, and then get into the recruiting wars. Yeah, so that's really good. So in the eighth grade, you know, my first time, I literally went out on the basketball, t- for the basketball team on a dare. I'm in math class, everybody talking about, you know, how hard practice was and how good they were. And I, I just wasn't into it. And they was, you know, but I tell them like, I can play, I'm, I'm certain I'm better than you guys, right? And, they, and they, they asked me, well, just come out here, almost on the dare. And I went out on the team and, and that's when it, you know, it all started. You know, I was always extremely competitive playing with older cousins. And when I got out there, I just, I found my niche there. So ninth grade, really good basketball player at the time for a ninth grader, um, played with uh, Eric Burks, who was at Clemson and Charleston Burks? Southern. He was a year older than I was. Eric Burks. That was right. That yep. Uh, Mark Strickland, who ended up playing at Temple and went on to play for the Hawks and the Miami Heat. He, all, of, all of us were in the, in the high school. And oddly enough, Eric Burks is the reason. He pretty much launched Marcus Woods. And I say that because he was a ninth grader and he was playing the point guard at my current high school. And I just felt there was no way I was going to ever get anything I wanted out of the game of basketball if a a player that good was just one year older than I was. Mm -hmm. So I went back to my neighborhood high school uh, and I I was going to high school out of my area and went back to uh, Southside High School. And at the time, you know, they were a national, beginning to be a national, um, I don't want to say power, but nationally recognized uh, with a ton of a top five program in the country preseason with a lot of division one basketball players on it. And that drew me to that high school. And it was in my area. I could walk there. And once I got there, you know, the first day the head coach came up to me because he coached my cousins and he knew of me and, and asked me what position I play. And, you know, I told him I was a small forward. And he said, I heard you were a point guard. And at the time, they only kind of described how I played to him and he made the connection to say a kid 6'2 who plays a certain way, like this is what I'm going to make you. And ironically enough, I, I do that with a lot of kids now at AAU. But at Southside High School, um, went 19 and 8 as a sophomore, um, played some real tough teams. We went, what, 31 and 2 at uh, my junior year, won a state championship. Uh, finished number five in the country behind Martin Luther King and some other national powers. And then uh, we went 29 and three my senior year, uh, losing in the state championship to uh, D'Antonio Wingfield and his Westover crew. So, um, you know, what, I might've gone 79 and 15, you know, in high school. But so I'm, I'm just big on winning. I'm big on winning. In today's time of message, we got Chucky Robinson. Basically, I knew my calling call was uh, I can run the floor, like you said, finish around the basket, 
Um, I didn't have a jump shot. Um, I, I thought in my mind I was a I was a I was a good passer. So I had that down. I can dribble on a straight line um, mm -hmm. to the basket with the ease. Right. So now I had to redefine my game of. Um, in college, I shot a little bit, 15, 16 foot jumper. So I knew certain things I had to add to my game. So I started working on my game a lot, individualized, staying in the gym, uh, working on my 15 to 17 foot jump shot. Um, you know, going to the basket left, um, left hand. So I had to work on some things that, you know, that if you wanted to be the same player that you were in high school, it wasn't going to work at the next level. Now let's get back to the interview. So it, it came down to when your senior year, take me, give us, give me a look at at the at the at the top. How did you end up at CFC? So er, early, I had two schools that were recruiting me: uh, Mount St. Mary's and Furman. And Furman came in. And, um, and, and said, listen, it's, it's this simple. Butch Estes, I remember. He said, we want you to be the point guard, but like there are other guards we want. And if, if, if you don't commit, say in the next two or three weeks, we're going to have to go on to our second and third option. And at the time, I didn't have, have any guidance, Duke. I didn't have any guidance. I was making these decisions kind of on my own. I knew we had won a state championship. So I kind of say, you know, I'll, I'll bet on myself that I could get some, some better opportunities. And at the time, what better was, I, I didn't know. I just didn't know very much about Furman. So eventually, um, University of New Orleans, um, where um, they came knocking, uh, Jacksonville University, they, you know, they came knocking a little bit. And then the College of Charleston came. And it was, it was funny because uh, Dwayne Grace came uh, to recruit me in high school. And he made a comment that, you know, he had been asking around and they needed a point guard with grades. And, you know, and I always held, um, you know, my SATs and my grades really, really important to me. That, that just was who I was. And so that's how I ended up on their radars more than anything because of grades. And they came and um, I came down to Charleston on a visit and uh, Coach Grace took me to a few jazz bars at 18 <laughs> years, 17 years old at the time. <laughs> I'm in the jazz bar, 17 years old. Uh, but, uh, and, and I just liked it. I liked what they were doing. I, I liked how hard they played the game that I went to. And uh, I, you know, I, I said I, I was coming, you know, after about a week later, I said I wanted to go. Right. And, and you know, and talking to, let's talk to Carl Thomas about it. I don't think you never met Shake. Um, and yeah, talk to Big Baby about it, too. And I compare, I call it the bag of rice, right? You take a $5 bag of rice, you can't sell a $5 bag of rice at Piggy Wiggly. You can sell a $5 bag of rice at Whole Foods. You can yeah. sell a $1.99 bag of rice at Piggy Wiggly, but they ain't going to even be in Whole Foods options. Sure. I said it, say this, like, now that we hindsight looking at this game and how to really direct our, our the, the kids you work with, we'll get into that. You got to identify the value, what that kid's option is, you know, before you kind of ship them to certain places. Because Correct. I tell athletes all the time too, look, if you're a scoring guard, go to an offense or institution that's, 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 your, that's your style of play. And sure. then not only that, go to places where if you're a freshman coming out, you don't want to go to school 
where that school has a sophomore or a freshman they need to sign. Because then you got to fight up the hill, like you just talked about with Eric Burks, for three or four years. So finding that good niche is something that athletes, parents need to do. And that's what this whole podcast is about. It's like you said, not have, we, I didn't have any guidance. Well, I had a whole, I went to Folk Union and the whole thing, but it's, it's tons of athletes like us that don't get that direction, man. And we end up falling by the wayside, you know, if we don't have that talent and intelligence to get us through times that, like that. Correct. I, I always, again, I'm going to take a little liberty here. I always kind of had myself as a person that the basketball actually, for me at that time, was not that important, right? Um, it really was uh, going and obtaining uh, an education, a, a college degree. And if basketball was going to be the means, then, then so be it. So when I looked at the situation, I mean, I did the math. I did the math on, you know, what the, the, the point guard, Mike Beckett, was going to be a senior at the time. So I, I did the math and said, okay, by my junior year, can I be a starter here? That was really the only, the only thing that was really in my mind is could I go somewhere and start two years? I mostly wanted to be a part of a program that, you know, seemed to be about the right things. And the fact that they were moving into division one, right, just gave me an opportunity to be a part of something early on uh, to be kind of a pioneer of sort. It just, I, I thought those type of thoughts. Um, you know, I, I didn't know how good I was going to be um, in, in college. You know, I just, I had no idea. So I was really looking at going to a quality place, obtaining a quality education. So when school was over, right, I gave myself the best chance uh, to be successful. And athletes, if y'all listen to this, all your players listen to your coach, think about that, because that's a rare understanding, a rare, a rare thought process for athletes to be thinking at, at that at a young level. You know what I mean? I would agree with that. We, we talk about, and we hear all the time, athletes, you know, can't perform at high levels academically. And here's my niche, here's my, here's my, my take on that. When you say athletes don't make good grades, well, the thing is, we got to make the same grade in less time. Here, and Absolutely. a student that doesn't play sports they got all the time in the world to do that. We as athletes, we're, we're we, and, and not saying that it's bad, but I'm just saying that considering the situation, we sure. traveling, we got practices and stuff. So th- of course, you know, this could be a little, a letdown within our, our performance, but it had nothing, nothing to do with our intelligence. That's so right. that's something I want to always put out there. Like we're very intelligent. We're very smart. So athletes listening to this, understand that, you know, coach Woods um, approach was academic first and it still turned out better for him. I could, you know, athletically. Sure. No, and- I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and, and the other part of, of this thing is the, the wear and tear on, on, on your body, right? The wear and tear on your body through the week, right? So, <laughs> I mean, it's nothing like you having that twinge in your ankle or sore ankle or sore knee. Every step you take, something is bothering you. See, uh, older people now in their 60s, in their 70s and 80s, they, they uh, complain about muscle soreness and, and hurting all the time. Just imagine a 17, 18, right. 19, to every day of your life, something hurts on you. Right. Like that's, that's, that's not to be underestimated either. Right. Were, were you on that team with um, 
when they play Wake Forest. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And and that's what you know. I want to hear some 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 stories where there were some big wins when you played at the college, Charles. And I was telling Fad that you know um, they locked down school. You know, my senior year, we all playing Wake Forest, and that was kind of the big reason why I kind of considered the college, Charles, because like here's a a, 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 a local school in my backyard that, that's playing a big-time school on TV. I want to be a part of that. Um, take us back to some some stories, man, about, you know, because and, and I'll let you begin, because back in our time, like, we we wanted to prove, we wanted to show the nation, like, I got overlooked, bro. You know what I mean? So when, I get, when I get my hands on you, we're going to do our thing. Give us some stories. Sure. So part of my kind of badge of honor really is I, I almost feel like I'm kind of I feel like the godfather of, of big wins when it comes to the College of Charleston being a part of some of these teams that really you know we we became known across the country for being a team that please beware uh, of this team and it really started when I was a freshman when I was a freshman the very first game we played UNC Charlotte at their at their home gym and it, it was my experience of what this whole thing was going to be like. Wow. And then we went on the road, played Vanderbilt. Um, uh, and that was Mike Beckett and Adonis Cole for those days. They just showed me. They showed me, like, listen, we come to win these basketball games. Mm. And, and, and I didn't play much, if at all, but I, I was there and I understood it. I had won in high school. So that, that just came – became who I was. Next year, moved into the starting lineup, uh, Marion and I, uh, Pat King and Rope, Chris Jackson, and I know I'm forgetting uh, uh, Ken Ward, and we went and beat Georgia Tech, you know, and I had all of my buddies playing at Tech. I'm here from Atlanta, kid, people I'm around all the time. And we go, yep, James Forrest, who we run the basketball program together. Um, beat them by 17, right, blew them out. Um, at, at that point, the next year, we had Alabama and Charleston beat them by 22. Penn 22? State blew them out. Marvin State, Orange? M Marvin Orange. 22? Antonio, Antonio McDice, uh, Jamal Faulkner, Blowout City. Stacey Harris, I think, had 27-28 that night. Uh, Penn State, UNC Charlotte again that year. And the next year, we played in some bigger basketball games. Uh, it, you know, it kind of catapulted us into being able to play uh, in the San Juan shootout against uh, Illinois, who was a national, a Big Ten team, beat us by one. Uh, we were up five with 50 seconds to go, lost by one. Uh, Tyrone Lou and Nebraska played them in the next round. Um, so, again, into that, and that's, that was actually my senior year. But um, the year on the way to the tournament, again, had the opportunity to play against Randolph Childress and um, Tim Duncan in the NCAA tournament. And I, I think that game right there um, kind of was set the standard of what we all knew the College of Charleston uh, basketball team would, would grow to be. And again, had some big games our senior year. Ended up playing Providence in the NIT. Eric Williams, uh, Austin Crozier played in the NBA for 15 years. So had the opportunity really to compete against some really, really talented teams. Um, and, and again, the one thing we wanted to do is when we leave that gym, 
we either leaving with a win or we leaving with the 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 admiration of a bigger teams and, and, and bigger known coaches. Absolutely, the respect is 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 everything. this time our session we have melvin watson melvin is a good friend of mine we played at the burke high school and and him and i are products of the midnight basketball era um, this interview will air christmas day uh, very very special interview so say a little bit about it you go out like you say it's how you present things you can't come you can't come and and present something that and pick over the food and I'm going to bring it and say, hey, man, why don't you come try that? You know, the first, I don't want that. You know what I mean? I don't want that. That don't look good. Right. So that's where they're missing that mark on that. That's that's how we show how much we care about the kid. Right. Because we care enough to hide them and but still try to help them reach their goals wherever that is, may be. Now, everybody's journey is different. And I keep I tell my kids this all the time. What kills what kills the game to me is social media. Mm. I like to thank God for the offer. Mm. I like to thank God for that offer, this offer. Okay. What y'all what some of these kids don't know, some of those offers ain't committable. Right. So right. you know, it's just sometimes don't look at how somebody else eating and when they eat. You worry about what's on your plate. Now let's get back to the interview. You know, talking about, you know, the, the wins, talking about the players. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about our leader. Like, you know, at, at, at first I didn't understand, you know, his mentality and his approach to the game. Sure. You know, being at, at practices at 7-12, 7-13. Like, bro, you, you calling a practice at 7-27? Like, yeah. how are you going to be late for that? You can't be late right. for 7 21 right? So, but – those small detailed things he implemented are life learned lessons and they carry on, you know what I'm saying, forever. Uh, talk about some of your, some of your stories and, and some of the things that you, you've learned just from, you know, just from being in that atmosphere. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be honest. I think there's probably not one bigger influence on, on my life, uh, basketball wise, just life in general than, than Coach Crest. And the, the, the harsh reality of it is that it's not like he's an amazing relationship person, right? I, I it's not, I mean, at least he wasn't then, you know. He wasn't as, then either. Yeah, all right. He wasn't then. But how he conducted himself, how the structure and just the attention to detail that he would have you pay uh, to, a, say, a team like Newberry or a team like Francis Marion. Like this is not even a team should be on our schedule, but he would have you to the point where you think this team could beat you by 30. Um, his ability, right? <laughs> right? His, his, his ability to, to, to not be the reason that you lost a game. Like you'd sure. never, you'd hardly ever be able to look at him and to say, coach, it was because of coach that we lost this. And that's just, you know, when you move on to the rest of your life, when you move outside of sports, 
which he was the biggest influence of me in sports. But when you move outside of life, so many of the things that he implemented um, carry on. Um, one of the biggest lessons I learned from him, though, is I, I realized that I was a character integrity guy, right? And it, it applies to life even now. Like, for some reason, he allowed me, he, I was a person that was willing to take on responsibilities that weren't mine. Mm. Somebody else mess mm. up, you know, he mm. always looked to me to basically say, make it right. And if make it right means I take the punishment, that that's what I was able to do. So now, you know, when I'm meeting with the president of my firm and I had a deliverable or somebody on my team had a deliverable that that they uh, didn't allow us to meet because of something they did. It's really easy for me to sit down with that person and say, hey, this is my fault. I'll take it on, on this one. And that really kind of, I don't know if he created that in me, but he showed me that that was something, uh, uh, a characteristic of, of a person that could be admired and that could be respected, a person that's willing to, as we would say, kind of stand stand on all 10 toes, you know, for, yeah. for the right thing. So, yeah. um, so I, I appreciate him for that. And even, you know, just one quick point is that he viewed me particularly as a person that was a coach on the floor all the time. You know, there are things that innately, Buzz was in the backcourt with me, and Buzz was there to play basketball. Right. You know, right. And it, it was how I approached the game. I always needed to know where all five people were going to be. If we're about to start a play, you know, I can tell somebody where, where they should be. Right. And, and once I graduated, he, you know, I, I'll say this, and, and regretfully, I never took this opportunity, but he offered me an opportunity to come coach with him. And the biggest thing I take away from that now is this guy is a Hall of Famer. And very rarely can anybody say they played for him and he offered them the opportunity to be part wow. of his coaching tree. Wow. You know, so wow. I, I don't I don't take that lightly at, at all today. And and what I can take away from him is, is is absolutely and I think where you the 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 position you held for Busby is what Anthony did for me. I didn't know what plays we were on half of the time. I hey what play we on. So sure. anyway, Coach Press never, we, we joked about that, never ran a play for me. Russell Wright, Jacksonville, never ran a play for me, right? And Mark, I ne for, for four years, I never say anything to him about it because I'm like, I'm not going to ask him for nothing, right? Yeah, yeah. So we had an interview, I interviewed him for one of my TV shows. So I said, Coach, you know, here on TV right now, like, I want to know, you never ran any plays for me. He's like, well, Jamel, I knew you're gonna get yours. Mm, I knew you're gonna get yours. I, I, I didn't. I didn't have to worry about you on the floor. So I knew you're gonna get yours. Yeah. So I took. I took that and the application of life. Like, you know, I had to buck the system. You know, we call it Jacksonville, and the two come over that wing. <laughs> like, that's that's a wrap because yeah. I, I'm not gonna get it back. So he's like. I had to worry about you. I knew he was going to get yours. And defensively, I know what he wanted. So that's nothing about figuring things out. Instead of me going to asking him for time, I'm like, what does he like best? What is what moves him? So in business-wise, I'm talking to somebody. I got to know what side of the aisle they on so I can know how to sway and know how to talk. So all those things, because he never – one thing, last thing I like about him, 
He made a decision and he stood by it. Oh, that's it then. That's, that's it. Ain't no emotions felt. Ain't nothing that caught up. And that's that's a that's a business decision that's right or wrong, and he always be fair, you know. I I I think he was extremely fair. I'll be honest with you. Two things that he did really really well is one, he could motivate everybody. He always he always had you thinking. You had the opportunity to be that person, right? Now, once he decided you weren't, you just weren't, right? <laughs> you just weren't. But in, in this was going to be interesting. My sophomore year, my sophomore year, I started all 30 games. I think, yeah, we were 19 and 8, 27 games. Started every one. My junior year came. Dean Dunbar was out. So Dean Dunbar came back. Coach Marshall kind of was a Dean guy. Coach Grace was a, was a Marcus Woods guy. Right. And I started the season. I started the season. I kept my job. Now, what's funny is something happened. I ended up having this, you know, getting kicked out of practice. And clearly, I'm not a get kicked out of practice guy. And Dean started. And he hit. He had 16 points against Penn State, 18 points against Penn State, hit six threes. The next, the next night, like I told you, we played Alabama, won by 22. I played more minutes in the game than Dean did, right? And we won by 22. But to anybody, Dean started two games. We, those were the two biggest wins of the season. And he started for the rest of the season. That's a wrap. He started for the rest of the season. I hardly – the only time I would – play monumental minutes was when there was an athlete that I needed to get in and defend. And, and I'm not upset about it at all. Coach Marshall is the one that coach Marshall kicked me out of practice and we're good friends. Now coach Chris, I, you know, just once he made that decision, that was it. And I started my whole senior year and I look at that. Listen, um, I, I just, you have to respect it. And he, yeah, he's not an emotional guy at all when it comes you gotta to that. Stay on your, you got to stay above the game. That's it. That's like anything else. I, what's your, uh, what's his face? That got hurt the other day. Correct. I saw Dalton came in there. Wait, we went nine for 11 doing his <laughs> yeah. thing? Yeah, it happens. That's a wrap. It like, happens. That, that, I mean, I don't do football like that, but I'm talking about business decisions and how I know once you lose a position, that's a wrap. When I got hurt, let me tell you, and we go to the next topic. The my going into my junior year, Fab was leaving, Stacy was leaving, Rob was leaving, and um, who else? Ant must be Aunt, too, right? Ant was leaving. I was a lone sophomore, so I was. It's my ball. It's your show. I took my meniscus like maybe second day in practice. It was so hype, everybody was popping. He came with the size like, hey, 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 in and out. Hey, I'm like. Yo, hey bud, you're in out. Don't don't move on past that. Don't move on past that. Because again, my freshman year, we're practicing hard. We're practicing hard. I get banged up. And he looked at me. He said, kid, I brought you in here from Atlanta. What are you gonna do? Are you in out? Are you in or out? Uh, you're supposed to be tough. Are you in or out? And let me tell you, I never I, like Coach Marshall, I forget who, Adam Pry, anybody can tell you. I, I dislocated my finger. I, I, I've, I've ailed all over my body. I never 
missed one practice at the College of Charleston in my entire career. Never missed one practice. He, he kept. He got the. He got people coming up that's red shirt and he can activate anytime. <laughs> that that team we had, we had Shake, Danny. I mean, we had a whole squad just on reserve coming in, and then the the green jerseys where you you practicing all week. Like he had two teams already ready. No, no, in or out. That's 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 again. That's that's still my mentality right now. Right, wrong. As a forty-seven-year-old, that's still my mentality. I, I literally say that to my five-year-old daughter when she, you know, she gets a boo-boo. Like, you in or out? If 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 I'm lying, I'm dying. Right. I've said that to her fifty times. Are you in or out? What are we doing here? Let's Make a go. decision. Make a Absolutely. Decision. And this time, my message: We got Coach Ben Betts. In particular, as a head coach, I wanted to make sure, one, that I treated everybody fairly. That's, that's very, very important to me. Uh, but also that I interacted with everybody in the same sense where, one, that they understand and know that they have value and that they're important. Mm. Uh, so, you know, when I got to South Carolina State, um, there were some really good players that, that, that stayed. But... Also, because at the time, we were dealing with some APR issues when I got the job at South Carolina State. Right. So I had to take on some walk-ons. Right. And those walk-ons helped me win, Mm. helped us win. Mm. Uh, So they were really, really valuable. But from one, from the on down the line, it was important. That's just the way I am and how I feel about it. But everybody's important. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has value. Now let's get back to the interview. Talking about, you know, segueing into that, being a dad. And um, I, know you, I know you're working with some things with uh, the programs you got going on with kids. Talk about your leadership being a dad and some of the things you learn uh, through sports. How do you apply some of the things being, being a dad? And, and I say dad with your own kids and listen to dad for the for the for the kids that you're you're working with because they look at us as fathers as well you know what i mean sure, so absolutely. talk about that and your approaches on, on on life as a whole yeah this is really interesting and i'm i'm, I'm glad you're giving me you know a, a quick bit to talk about it but i, I have a five-year-old daughter um and and as i just said i'm 47 years old right so i i well she's six actually and i had her i was 41 years old and um you know, I was, my parents, my mom was 16 years old when I was born. My dad was 15 years old. And I'll be honest with you, I think that really kind of shaped my mentality as it pertains to not necessarily wanting to have kids, right, prior to me being absolutely ready to care for, for a kid, you know. So, um you know, so I, you, you'll see her on my Instagram. She, she's everything for me right now. And, and she knows every kid that, that I coach. As it pertains to the basketball kids, right now we have 19 kids on college campuses. I've shared that with you. Um, 17 playing basketball at the junior college, Division One, the Division Two level, and two playing football, one at the Navy Academy. He's a senior. And one at Auburn University. He's a senior. And, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, people that know me 
um, even former players that I'm still friends with, like almost ad nauseum, they, they get texts and pictures of my kids and I. Um, I just was at Presbyterian to see one, uh, spending the day with him. So, you know, the kids I deal with, not all, I, I, for some reason, I tend to take to the kids that, that grew up very similar to me, um, understanding, you know, while I did have a dad, you know, I grew up really, really, really tough, man. And, and the kids that grow up that way, you know, for, for whatever reason, I take to those kids. Uh, I nourish them. And, and it's not just about taking them out to eat all the time. It's calling them, checking on them. When, when you know, when they think it's okay to text, they text you. I call them back. I want them to know you have to have conversations with people that care about you. You can't take the easy way out by texting. Um, the, the, the ones that I've built really, really good relationships, I make sure I tell them, you know, I, I regularly tell them I love them, right? Because so many of these kids don't hear those words. And, and I can tell you right now, if the, as much time as I, I spend dreaming about their success, as much time as I spend during the day when I'm in a, in a, in a, a meeting with clients being somewhat distracted, because I'm thinking about those kids and their success and whatever that success is for that given period, you know, um, that's, that's really important to me. So, you know, again, uh, coaching basketball, I probably could be a whole lot more quote unquote successful in, in business if I didn't coach basketball, but I've turned down some opportunities um, because it would require me not to be able to coach uh, coach kids and be around kids and it'll it would dominate my time and I just I'm not willing to do that it, it's just my calling it's my passion and I'm just not willing to give that up not again not after I passed up the opportunity to coach with coach Crest I just won't give I won't give this sport up uh I won't give coaching up again right yeah you hit it right on the head man you know and and that's the reason and you know <clears throat> on the, my second episode is with this guy, uh, Dallas Wilson. You know, he came from New York. He started midnight basketball here in Charleston. And if you get a chance, yeah, look him up, Dallas Wilson. Um, and he got a, matter of fact, if you, if you Google Dallas Wilson, the FBI, it's a tab on there, said Columbia. You got a picture up there with Comey. And he got, he got an award from the FBI for all the work that he, that he did, but had a tough time from in the Bronx, New York, came down to South Carolina, and he got – and some little beef with the local high school coaches around this, around this area because, you know, honestly speaking, we wouldn't produce anything because the SAT, the clearinghouse, no one was giving information out on how to make things happen. You had, you know, football players that went and do things, but there wasn't no basketball wave because it's, it just wasn't no how to do it. Mm-hmm. And this man, a quick story, um, he keep telling me, hey, babe, I'm going to take you to Folk Union. Just Folk Union wants to sign you. They're ready for you. I'm like, I don't know about no prep school. I don't know about any of that. She's like, listen, they already want you. Take your, uh, get your bags together. We're going 4.30 in the morning. I'm going to take you up there because you're going to school. Mm-hmm. So I packed this bag like I'm going for six months. Kind of Come to find out, he's calling Coach Jarrett every day. Coach Jarrett, like, I already got my squad. You know, in prep school, they, they got their team Sure. Yeah, the, the prior, the, prior the, the, the previous year. Sure. So we drove up there, four thirty morning on eight, eight hours on eight hour trip. 
Coach Jack didn't even know he was up there. So, you know, Shamal Williams, from, you know, the, uh, that played yeah, yeah, yeah. that's who I had to go against. Okay. So, drove up there, got on a trip, and two hours into the practice, he asked me to stay. So, somebody lost their scholarship. But that's how much belief he had in me. Bro, we drove up there. Coach Jack told him no. But he said, <laughs> look, if you see this kid, I know he'll change your heart. So, it's people like like that that changed my life, you know what I mean? And and people like you that gonna change other kids' life just through just through this round ball, man. You know? No, that's 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 a, a heck of a testimony. And and what's funny is that the you know, none of these kids can't literally do anything for me, right? Sure. Like sure. you know, but it's nothing more gratifying than being in a car with a kid and or a kid texting you or calling or telling his own parent or telling his coach. Like, I really wish I would have met Coach Woods two years ago, wow. opposed wow. to just this wow. this past spring. Like that's, you know, I can't even go to my my wife and tell her how good that makes me feel, right. you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, so, and I, I'll be honest with you, that, that, that level of admiration and, and trust and candor from, from kids, it's addictive. Like you want to keep doing that again and again and again. And and Jay Z, Jay Z, and um, he he has one of those lines where he talks about uh Dame Dash, or you know say you know Dame Dash made a Jay, uh, you know made Jay Z go make another one, right? And as it pertains here, you right. know the one thing I'm finding myself and I'm a, you know I'm finding myself being able to do is to continue to replicate um the template and the blueprint that we have of finding kids that just need attention, need to hear the right words, need to be motivated, need to be made to feel like they, they you know, the, they, you know, a lot of kids can play basketball, but if you hadn't eaten in three days, <laughs> right, that's tough. tough. That's tough, right? Yeah. If you're sleeping in a car or if you're sleeping in the cold, like I was when I was little, sleeping in a coat, sometimes right. you know until you till you get somebody to come show you and, and nourish everything about you you don't know what you can be and right. when you see these kids man and they they freshmen on campus and, and now they're on their social media and they walking around mm -hmm. and and they just so addicted now to what life can be right. and i'll tell you even the next thing is you know i'll tell them when they get the opportunity as soon as they can you know to also travel across the uh, uh, not just across the country but across the water across the atlantic and and you know that's one of the things i talk about with these kids because they they just want to go to daytona beach or miami and i told them you know once you go once you go across the atlantic you know miami just don't seem so nice totally. <laughs> you know totally so different. so once you expand your horizons and you see different things i'm telling you that to me that addictive nature of seeing things seeing what nice is you know what you're putting in your body right what you start to put in your body you'll understand that these foods that's in our community sometimes they're putting us in food deserts giving us less quality food right and the, the more you start just eating better the better you're gonna feel and mentally the better the things 
you know, the better the things are that you see regularly, the, the, the more broad and, and, and expanded your thought processes will be on what you can have, how you can attain it, and how you can enjoy life in a different way. And you're absolutely right. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermell President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to, you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And his philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically teaches the game of basketball, focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. And in closing, you know, my last segment is called the Oatmeal Recipe, um, where it's skill development, education, and uh, nutrition. And no matter what sport you play, no matter what career you're in, those three ingredients apply to anything. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Talking about nutrition. Um, I know you gave a, a little feedback on nutrition, but uh, I said in my episode zero, like, traveling and, and going to pregame meals, like, I never ordered – Avocado. I never ordered those things because I had the money to pay for it. Sure. But when I when I did, when you get those free meals and you and you try those things, I start liking those things. Sure, sure. Talk about don't me rest. We talk about those three things. I, I, you start with skill development, and talk about how important skill development. Let's not even talk about basketball right now. Let's talk about skill development as far as your professional life. How how has skill development um, uh, been helpful to your development? Sure. So, you know, that's, that's a really, really good question, uh, Jamel. Um, so I've been with my firm 17 years, right? And, you know, a lot of people would look and say, you know, real business people don't stay with firms that long. They continue to go, and going back to sports terms, they continue to allow themselves to be free agents and continue to obtain as much money, you know, as, as they can. You know, what happens what has happened to me is I've been fortunate enough to to, to light where where I work, and I've probably been promoted minimum six times since I've, I've been with this firm, and none of the roles are the same, right? But the one thing about it is that while I was in one one role, I continue to press the conversations, build the right relationships across my firm, across my the network of firms that I'm a part of, and, and always have asked people, is it something, you know, is it something that I could be doing differently? Even though our, our worlds, uh, collide on occasion they're responsible for one thing I'm responsible for something you know the easiest thing is to focus on what it is that you do right yeah. well no I, I want to know what it is that you do and if you have 45 minutes you know uh, uh, every other week we can sit down and you can kind of show me um, behind the scenes of what it is that you do Right. It, it continues to allow you to expand your skill set, expand the, the areas of a responsibility that you 
can attain. And really and truly, while I know you don't, you, you, we moved it away from sports, but it still, oh, it still goes back to oh, sports, right? right? If if I'm a six one, if I'm a six three guard, and I play, you know, I went to high school. I left high school as a point guard, but okay, Marion Busby was a point guard too. So what can I do to allow myself to get on the floor? Exactly. Well, I moved over. I moved yeah. over to the shooting guard spot, exactly. right? But guess what? I was willing to defend the three and the four, right? Rebounded five rebounds a game. So continue to make myself as versatile and as, um, I guess, flexible as as I could to one, be a benefit to whatever team you're a part of. And if you're in corporate America or if you're a part of a of a company, you, you know, hopefully you feel empowered to be a part of that team. So I try to remain flexible in that manner. And, and that, just like I try to remain flexible and uh, highly skilled uh, when, when I play basketball. And, and what I meant by that question, you answered it, you know, perfectly. I was just saying from the skill development, how important we know it is from basketball, from the education, how we know it was in basketball and nutrition, how do you apply it to your professional life? And you asked the question. So let's let's take it back to education. Sure. Education in sports. Like I know for a fact, my career could have been extended had I, I ask players all the time when I work out with, how do you score 20 points a game? They said, well, coach, I'll shoot a three point shot or I'll do this. I was like, what if you get denied? What if you miss your shots? And the, the most effective way, and I want to get your blessings if you think this is if you got another way, let me know. And the most effective way to score 20 points a game is every quarter, four quarters, you score two layups per quarter. How many points is that? Two layups a quarter, that's eight times. Four, that's 16 points. 16 points. So you're four points away from 20 points. How do you get those other four points? Well, when the seven and 10 team files, I drive, because what? <laughs> I get one on one. one. That's right. So what that did was high percentage shots, defense, because you're playing the, the passing lane, right? Absolutely. So you think in the game totally different, and, and it's, it is, it's sweat-free. I'm sweat not thinking there's no three-point shot listed in that in, in that in those directions. Sure, right? sure. So the education of the game, had I had it back then, I could extend my career. How, edu- how important education for you from a sport aspect and how do you apply it to professional life? Yeah, so, you know, the harsh reality of it is that, you know, I just don't think you stumble into any form of coaching, right? I think there's a, a cerebral aspect to how you view basketball right that that allows you to to want to coach and, and want to you know to to to, to want to ex, you know participate in sports from a coaching perspective but you know I, i'll be honest with you one of my biggest things is and i think i looked at it earlier in my career i was 160 since the 10th grade i was 100 164 and 39 right and but but so we won. I won a lot of basketball games, but the games that I felt the best about are the ones where we were down 10, 12, 15 with eight minutes to go. And I'm so the average person is looking at. There's a lot of people who can't win basketballs 
basketball games once they down 12 points. Like, True. they don't view basketball in that way. True. You know, the, so me, I used to look at it and say, all right, if we cut this 15-point lead to, to seven with three minutes to go, we then we playing a different basketball game. And then within that three minutes, you're trying to cut it down. So I was always, honestly, my whole life is kind of about numbers and about challenges. Even when I'm, I, I remember being 13 years old in the car and, and knowing we had, we were going to go 90 miles. And I kept looking over, looking over, and my mom is like, where are you looking at? And well, I'm, I'm trying to see how fast you're driving, right? And she said, but I'm driving the speed limit, 55. And I just went in my mind, try to figure out, but she go 55 miles an hour. How long is it going to take us to get certain way? And that drove her crazy, right? <laughs> but that's just kind of how, how the hamster turned in my head, right? Right, right? So when you're in sports, you're always thinking about it. When you when you're calling plays or when you're trying to identify a kid's skill set, you're always trying to get them. Man, a kid texted me last night and asked me, how can I watch film better? I want to be a better student of the wow. game, wow. right? He's wow. at Melvin Edwards. He's a freshman at Charleston Southern this year. So it's, it's always, hopefully, when people view me, they view me as being a person that's really analytical and, and really kind of, I'm less about, I didn't score a ton of points. You know, um, people you just, would you just, come. You just prevent, prevent people from scoring a lot of points. That, that, that's it. But people, but everybody, everybody that know us knows that I'm probably one of the better basketball players that played in our time. It just didn't translate for me. It wasn't necessary for it to translate in points for right. me. I, right. I was never a guy that was thrilled by points. I played with, you know, Matt Donna, All-American in high school that averaged 30 points in his junior year, 35 points his his, his senior year. And he couldn't have done it without me. Right, he, he right. couldn't have done it without me. So my biggest thing I tell kids, do, and it's funny that you say, how can you, how, how what's the easiest way to uh, score 20 points? It's two things that I always live by. And, and I learned them. I don't, I forget how and why, but I learned them while I was at the College of Charleston. One of the things was, is somebody in this stands tonight, in the stands tonight, that never seen you play before. Mm. What do you want them to leave with? Mm. That you was a slacker, a complainer, uh, always chirping at the referee, or that person, that person, that person gives everything. I'm sorry about that. That person, that person, that player gives everything, leaves it on the floor. That's somebody I want to come back and see play. And the other thing is, how can you dominate the basketball game without scoring any points? <laughs> right. Can you dominate this game? Can you can you get the, the player of the game award without scoring any points? Right. right? And that that literally is my motto for even for my kids now. Um, and I love to see people score the basketball, you know, but I also like to see people dominate the games in all the other facets. Right. And, and then my last, our last thing, I think you mentioned something about nutrition. You already, you know, you can reiterate if you want, but I don't eat meat. I don't drink sodas. And it's been, here's the thing about the messages, right? The game of basketball, any sport, it's a, 
it's, it's, it's less than split second decision all the time. And what, what controls our decision making, what carries the messages is through our blood, right? Correct. Correct. So if we think of something, that message is carried to a process and we got it. But what if your blood is thick, the glucose, because of the, 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 the thickness, I look at it as a football player, right? Mm-hmm. When you hike the ball, you're chewing, right? The body breaks it down, distributes to places where you need to go. Yeah. But if your blood is thick because of the, the glucose, the sugars you eat, that message is going to be slow getting to your brain. And that's how deep, so, so if you if you eating sugar, people say, well, I'm young, I can do it. Well, it's like a car. A car overheats because the engine is hot. You're overworking it because you're not maintaining it. Well, your right. body, your mind going to shut down. You're tired. So if you're a, a fourth, fifth grade, eating bad, you're doing this, and you're busting, hitting. As a sophomore, you saw a decline. You know why? Because over the years, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take care of your body. Your body stopped growing. You're not getting the weight that you need because you're not getting the girth that you had because your body ain't developing. So right. we don't know what we put into our body that's going to hurt us later on down the line. What's really interesting, and so that's an interesting thought process and, and, and as solid as they come. I think the two things that I look at is, is you know how the players in the South, football-wise, in, in outside of the cities, right? When you get outside of the, the metropolitan areas, those players always seem to be more developed. They always seem to be stronger. They always seem, from a physical perspective, always seem to be more advantaged. And that's because they're not throwing a lot of fast food in their bodies, a lot of soda. They're eating, you know, more natural stuff. They are eating sleeping, every day. Sleep, going to bed at night. They're going to bed. It, it's a it's a lot slower um, uh, living. I think the, one of the things that we have to to look at is some of the people that are our players and where they come from. You know. It's one thing to to eat a good meal, a good healthy meal, but it's another thing to be even getting that meal anyway. You know, right? Just, right. You know, so right. Yeah, a lot of kids don't have the ability to, to choose between asparagus, Brussels sprout. I mean, to cut you off. Here's the thing, and this is something with education comes in that because families that have food stamps and have you know. Whole Foods take those things. No, they're better off. They're actually better off. I think I'm more speaking of the the, the, the parents that, you know, so that that is a really good conversation. But then it's the parents that, you know, if a this parent's month, not eating well, right. the kid's not going to eat well. Right. You know, it's amazing. My daughter won't eat French fries, right? She probably has had well I can't say how many sips of soda because right. but she, she's never gotten soda from my wife and I right. she has had soda because she she kind of uh, squealed on her grandma and said grandma let me have coke right, right? Yeah. but but she she you know that's just something she she probably hadn't had 16 ounces of orange juice right. in her life right? right those are the things that we decided that we were we were going to try to restrict out of her diet I mean she'll sit there and if she goes more than two days without Brussels sprouts, she'll put on a show. 
you know. So, but again, she she also likes, you know, ice cream and all of that. But, you know, you do what you can. Once you know better, you do better. And what you're doing is, is putting it out there, putting that recipe out there. So nobody can't say, you know, to, to these kids that, that you're affecting that they didn't know, right? right? You're doing right. the best you can of getting that message out. You know, I, I say this with all due respect, you know, people come to me and say, you don't look that much different than you look, you know, when, when you play. And, and, and I, yeah, and I look, I mean, of course I look older in, in the face, but body-wise, since I graduated, I graduated uh, College of Charleston. I weighed 205 pounds. So I actually was a big, a bigger guard, right? I didn't look that big, but I weighed a lot. And I weighed 212 pounds today. And I can tell you right now, I hadn't worked out. I hadn't worked out. I don't live, I mean, I'm not in great, great shape, but I don't weigh a lot. And one, I just don't sit down and just pound food in my body all the time. Like eating is not one of my, you know, favorite pastimes. I don't, I don't see something and say, ooh, I just want to eat some of that, right? right? right. Food don't do it to me. But also, I, I just care. You know, I care to, um, you know, do something, stay active. I play a lot of golf. So guess what? Even if I'm not going to walk 18, maybe I walk the front nine and then ride the cart on the back nine. Just do something to stay active. You know, and I can just tell you right now, man, sports is going to get more and more competitive. Sports is going to get more and more competitive. See, it used to be a thing where uh, people that was from more affluent um, families didn't too much worry about sports because their families could pay for it, right? right. But now the, the cost of college and, and the more kids somebody has, you know, people are saying, no, you need to go out here and try and earn your athletic scholarship as well. So right. now that's bringing more and more people into the fold. Basketball, sport, sport, the sport that did so much for us. Like, I'll be honest, the more and more $100 million contracts you see, the more kids are going to want to say, that's what I want to do, I right? Right. That's that's what I want to do. So it may have some unintended consequences of overpopulating, you know, or doing some of those things. So, you know, I think people like yourself that's in the skill development and training, you know, if people are going to decide that they want to choose basketball to as, as kind of a way to earn a scholarship, uh, I think if people like you, yourself in particular, are going to be really, really key in ensuring that these people are going about it the right way. And if you add any any um, added level of implementing education and nutrition into into that total package that you're offering kids, I, I have to tell you, I, I don't know that they could find much more or, or want much more uh, out of somebody. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on 
to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermell is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and, and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program because these are the kind of things that every community needs, looking out for the best interest of the youth. The future of this country is in our youth, and everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful, and, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing, and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people. I appreciate that. And, Absolutely. Uh, and my last thing, I promise, is my last question. I think we need to do a part two because we can talk, you know, we, we can talk forever. Right. Um, athletes are getting paid now. You know, they're getting their, um, the rights to their names and whatnot. <clears throat> my thing, I feel athletes should have, I should have always been on the table. But here's my thing, how I feel it should happen. If it's 50000 25000 what have you, right? As a freshman, when you sign – you get your 12, 12 and a half, right? When you graduate, you get your other 12 and a half. Only if you graduate. Now, what that does, I'm at, in high school, four years high school, nine times out of 10, we're not working. Then we get a scholarship for another four years. Guess what? We can't work because we're on scholarship. So then we're eight to 10 years out of the job market. No experiences. So if we don't get a contract sports-wise, we're screwed. Sure. But it's, it's grateful. I'm grateful to have athletes like you. I wasn't one of them that was really looking for education first. Sure. So what happens to those athletes that don't have that ideology? What do you, what do you, what's your take on, on athletes being paid and getting a chance to sell their name? Now, that's – so I'm probably uh, in the minority – overall and in, in how I view this. But I, I, I do view it in a manner very similar to you, right? So one thing I think is really important is that this cost of attendance stipend that the kids get nowadays, right? This cost of attendance. I think, you know, most colleges, these kids, every kid that plays, depending on, now some of it is need-based, you know, but the kids get, say, $11,000 a year right? $11,000 a year for cost, cost of attendance. So I, so I have a kid right now that, that was a, a freshman at a college. He got $10,000 last year, right? Um, free money. When, free money. Because that's you some, already knew. That's, that's something new then. Oh, it's in the last three years, I think, cost of attendance is there. Oh, yeah, so, I didn't but, know that. Think Go about ahead. this. He had going into this season, he had $5,000 in the bank because this is on top of food. You've, I mean, the, 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 you're going to eat, right? So he had 5000 of his 10000 So today, this season, I mean, this first semester, he still hadn't gotten his money. And he told his coach, like, I'm not in a rush, right? I'm not in a rush for that 5000 I want it to all come at the same time. So he, he'll have, as a sophomore, $15,000 in the bank, right? It's a lot of people that don't have $15,000 in a checking account right now. Right. And here he is, a sophomore. So just to think that he processes that in that manner, right, um, is, is different. It, you know, as it pertains to paying the players, you know, this is what I 
I truly feel that if you pay the players, which is going to happen, right, you're going to create an environment that still benefit the bigger institutions, right? It's going, and, and this is how I feel. Unless you come up with something that says every single person gets the same amount, or if you stagger it somehow, like you just said, 25,000, 50,000, you know, because the punter or a kid that, that just barely got, you know, got the scholarship, his, his likeness is not as valuable as the next person's likeness, yes. right? So you're still going to create inequities in itself, but right? If, good point. But what if that's like that goes to the, the hardest worker? What that's if, how life is. Yeah. That's how life is. But I, didn't, I was unaware of that cost of attendance stipend that you talked about. That changes absolutely. the game on things, right? It absolutely changes the game. But what if there is a, a, a standard blanket cost of attendance for all athletes, 10000 whatever it is, but – if I'm a business major, if I'm a marketing major and I play ball, I can't be limited to just that if I got the, the, the means and smarts to go out and to get more. Correct. That's what it's all about. Now, would that affect my playing performance? Because now I'm focusing on this platform, the eat off. So I know what you mean. It gets so choppy and so crazy. It's and you can bring in and you end up, do you invite at that point if I can go out and make money on my own, if, if they're going to allow me to work a job, do you invite the big time boosters into this situation and say, all right, here, here's a job. We'll take care of it. So I, I do think, you know, there's something they have to do with that, but I'll be perfectly honest with you. We're looking at basketball, right? The true inequities come in the football programs That's where true. these foot, these football programs are bringing in tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. And, and maybe that's, too, you know, too many tens, but they're bringing in, you know, tens of millions of dollars off the backs of really young kids where, you know, when they're done, there's no insurance, you know, um, to help Contact them with sport. There's a contact sport, right? You you know, so I agree something has to be done. You know, you just should not be able to play. I'm going to be honest with you. You shouldn't be able to pay a head coach who's a state employee seven and eight million dollars. If your program can if your program can pay a coach eight million dollars, there is some some revenue that's being generated, you know, that absolutely should be able to be, be earmarked. Out. For kids, for kids, absolutely. That can, that, can, that can make that happen. Absolutely. Hey, Mark, man, I tell you, we can go on and on. I, I love to have you back again. You know, what I'm saying after the, after the, maybe after the season, after you, you guys finish your season, something we can come back again. But you know, we can, we can talk all day. And I, I, I appreciate your, your intelligence. I appreciate the, the groundwork. You know, what I'm saying you guys did um, down there at the college because that, you know, that changed my life. Had I not seen, you know. You, you, young brothers making it happen, throwing it all is just sweating in 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 in, in tears into into making things happen. I would never even consider the college. So I appreciate you for laying it down. No, I appreciate you um, having me. And you know, so two things real quick. I remember you came, you came on your your little visit while you were at Fort Union. And I think you were looking at Wisconsin or somebody else too, or they, they were looking that. at you. Yeah, I remember you came on your visit and. I said, all right, you know, and, and we, we really did get it in. And, and, and for people to know, you know, 
um, because of you, I, w- I would venture out into into your part of town over near the Burke area and, and be around some of those guys. So I really had the opportunity to kind of get the full kind of Charleston playground basketball relationship sure. experience, man. So I, I appreciate you. And if you need anything here, man, please don't hesitate to reach out and, and good luck with everything, including your foundation. I appreciate that, man. Appreciate All right. It. You have a good night. All right. You too, man. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Yep. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. Coming up next, we got big Chucky Robinson from James Island, man. Uh, It's a young cat. Remember this cat playing um, big athletic, great hands. Just a happy, happy, it's a big happy guy, man. Always smiling. So be able to talk to big Chucky. So um, our next episode, be able to um, check him out. All right. Be right back. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.